Empower Radio presents The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Crawl. Hello and welcome everyone. You're listening to The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. When we hear the word unity, we often think of peace and harmony. Can unity be a practice of peace or is possibly peace building a practice of unity? Today, we will explore the path of peace and unity from the inside out with two global leaders, one who directs people inward and the other who moves them gently outward into action. I invite you to take a few deep breaths, open your heart and mind, and settle into your essential wholeness as I introduce our guest. Dr. Dot Maver is an educator and peace builder whose keynote is inspiring cooperation on behalf of the common good. She is co-founder of Global Silent Minute, Global Alliance for Ministries and Infrastructures for Peace, National Peace Academy USA, and River Phoenix Center for Peacebuilding. And she is so much more. I encourage you to go to our show page for both of these guests and read their full bios there. Our second guest is Michael Linfield. He supports individuals and organizations to unleash the creativity of the human spirit to meet the urgent need of our times and the compelling call for a more just and joyful future. His background includes a four-year residency as gardener and director of education at the Findhorn Community in Scotland and senior organization development consultant with Boeing. Michael is co-founder of the Science of Group Work Initiative and serves as board president of Meditation Mount in Ojai, California. He's also the author of The Dance of Change, an eco-spiritual approach to transformation And I have to say out loud, I am so happy to bring both of your voices and your passion for unity and peace to this audience today. Welcome to our show. Thank you. Thank you, Julie. Yeah. So you're welcome, Michael. I'm going to start with you. I've had Dot on the show before, and I'm going to ask both of you this question. But first, for you, Michael, I'm going to just ask you my first traditional question on this show can you share with our leader with our listeners oh our leaders listen to that that wasn't a slip i don't think can you share with our global leaders out there that are tuning into this show as listeners as well as all the others what does all things connected mean to you the word that immediately comes to mind is coherence and Unanimity. All Things Connected, for me, describes that the pre-existing condition of life, that it is one. And in order to find itself and express itself, it broke itself into a billion different pieces and went on the journey of discovery. And now we are rediscovering the wholeness from the partiality of this experience. And so when you talked about 
the illusion of separation, I sincerely believe that that's what we're about to break through, is helping people to move from their lives simply being the survival of the separated self to the service of the common good, the greater whole. And that's the journey. It's a journey of reclaiming the oneness and the wholeness that is our true nature. Mm, thank you, Michael. Survival of the separated self. I love that. That's, that's really what we've been working on here for a while. And I love that we're about to make this shift. Dot, for you, mm. I want to just put this twist on this. And you you may want to expand on what Michael said. But with this traditional question, what does all things connected mean to you? Why don't you put that in the context of this global unity and the work of peace on our planet where we're going right now? Mm, as usual, Dr. Julie, big questions, so all-encompassing, beautiful. And Michael, as you were sharing that, uh, what res resonates for me, and I've heard uh, Brother Phil speak to this as well, is one source from which all is differentiated. And so the truth is when we come home to ourselves, we really do deeply know, beyond understanding, we know that separation is an illusion. So I love what you said, Julie, about moving uh, gently outward into action. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> With unity as, a, as the principle, really. You know, I can remember even back in the days of coaching softball, and always the sense of if we could get it that our hearts, as they unite, literally beat as one heart, magnetized by the cosmic heart, that we really are essentially one. And then we differentiate with unique contributions and that essential value and innate wisdom and all of that that we really would live on purpose knowing that it's way beyond my personal anything. So that's what I would say initially to that, that when I think of all things connected, I think of the life source itself and living from within the life aspect uh, with full knowing that truly we are all one. Mm. Thank you both. This is a beautiful introduction that will help us transition into the conversation because where both of you um, came from in that response really is what's fueling me and my desire to just have a lovely, delightful, engaging conversation with both of you today because you both have such deep, profound wisdom to share and you both deliver it in such a, a peaceful just yummy way. And I want to begin with your personal stories. I'm really curious. So, Michael, let's start with you. If you could just tell us a little background, what has been your path of personal unity and peace? What brings you to this place in your life right now with this profound sense of peace and unity that you carry within you? Oh, a big, big question, Dr. <laughs> Julie. Uh, let me just listen into that because I could give you a whole 
long story, but I want to give you the essential encapsulation of the experience. Mm. And when I reflect and cast my heart and mind back to those early months and years when I first landed on the planet 75 years ago, is, okay, here we are, but there's more. It's, it's as though I came from a place where there was so much more, and I'm seeking to reconnect. And my whole life has been a journey of seeking a deeper sense of meaning and belonging. Because that is an inner state that I sense. And yet outwardly, I'm still growing, I'm still maturing, I'm still isolated to some degree. I haven't made all the connections, so I'm not a fully integrated aspect of the ecosystem of this beloved planet. And so I remember growing up, realizing that, oh, I've got to have a future, I've got to have a career, I've got to have this, I've got to have this. And yet when it came to actually choosing a path, a profession, I couldn't do it. I, when I, I left school two weeks after my 16th birthday, I'd had enough. <laughs> I, I went to an, an all-boys school in England, and uh, I decided that that wasn't the path. So what I did, I, I got my first job at the local town hall. And there was a very wonderful person who was my manager, and he was very kind to me, and I was filing documents in the basement. And he brought me up to his office on the second floor. It was a corner office. And he said to me quite genuinely, and he said, Michael, if you work hard and diligently for the next 35 years, this office could be yours. And I said, Mr. Pearson, wow, what an eye opener. And I walked out of that office and said, that is not my future. But he was, he was being genuinely kind and encouraging to me. But what it showed me is, no, my soul is asking me to do something else. And so I ended up buying a one-way ticket from England to Sweden, uh, packing a suitcase with $50 in my pocket. I just launched out and decided, let's go out and find out what's out there. Because in order to find out what's inside, I had to go on this outer journey. And it was only later that I really understand, understood the correlation between the inner and the outer journey. And then lots of different things happened. I found myself traveling around the world. I, I ended up in Findhorn for 14 years living there. And I, I went to, you know, did organic farming in Sweden. I ended up doing a variety of different things, realizing that each of them were classrooms that would allow the fullness of who I am as a, as a being to, to grow and, and to develop and emerge. And even though um, I had these occupations or these, these areas of service, my identity was deeper than that. So there is so much more I could say, but that's, that's not necessary. I think the, the, the way of answering your question is to say, uh, I'm on a quest, lifetime, a lifetime, this quest. And when I trust myself to the navigational power of the soul, I know that I will be guided in the right way. Mm. 
I love when we share our stories and more and more talking about these kinds of stories and adventures of the soul and really the discovering of the inner and the outer, like you said, when we start sharing them with one another, it almost like catalyzes a, a, um, a comprehensive growth that's beyond just our individual growth. It's like our collective growth on this journey can expand. So I love that. Thank you for sharing your story. And Dot, I would love to hear your path of peace and <laughs> unity that brings you to this moment too. Oh, I was listening avidly, Michael. And as you were sharing, all of a sudden I realized I was going to be asked the same question. So I better take a moment to reflect as well. But, you know, it takes me back to when I was nine or ten years old, lying on the front lawn in East Brunswick, New Jersey, USA, looking up at the sky on a warm summer day, blue sky, a few clouds, some birds, and suddenly a plane seemed to come out of nowhere and come across the sky. And I... I completely disintegrated. And in that exact moment, I knew in my little self of that moment, I had a choice to become afraid or to surrender to it. And I wouldn't have perhaps thought of it articulately, but I was aware of that. I can still feel that viscerally when I go back to that moment, because there's no back. It's just that was such a realization. And so with that, I surrendered and I became everything. It was like falling into a deep well and being lifted into the universe of the night sky as we know it all at the same time. I have no idea how long it lasted. And afterwards, it felt like um, everything was like being pulled back into this container called dot in this lifetime. And I laid there for a really long time. I didn't know exactly what happened or what to think of it. And it would be eight or nine years later that I would be introduced uh, to Edgar Cayce, uh, his work uh, at the uh, ARE Association for Research and Enlightenment. And when I read the book, There's a River by Thomas Sugru, it was an absolute page turner. And by the time I got to the end, I felt like I had been through all of my schooling. <laughs> and then <clears throat> what happened from there is I began to have some experiences um, that one might think odd. Uh, and yet it's like the stories that we tell going to a cocktail party one time and being handed a sheaf of papers from a friend's nephew who says, these, I, these are for you. You talk like this and ending up being introduced to various lineages from uh, the Bailey teaching to Agni Yoga to being out at a bookstore in uh, L.A. and off the top shelf comes this book by Helena Blavatsky diving at me. I catch it and, you know, you buy it and you read it. And, and so I began to understand that we can live life as knowers, if we are open, I love the navigation of the soul, Michael, if we are open to that, that inner guidance that is really our all-knowing selves 
that we close off from when we come into a, a lifetime until we have the capacity to open again, <clears throat> excuse me, or expand our consciousness enough to realize uh, who we are and why we're actually here and not take that personally. And so, you know, with the follow-up to that question then, Julie, the only other thing I'll say is that what got me then was I was a teacher and a coach and loved all of that, still love all of that, but realized that there was more than that for me to somehow offer. And so I surrendered to that. And after 15 years of formal education, teaching in, and uh, coaching and et cetera, left very suddenly and began this uh, kind of quest, I would say also, Michael, and began to meet co-workers around the world. And, you know, there's those moments of recognition and uh, the rest is history. On we go and I continue to surrender in every moment and living the truth for me at this moment and in the next moment and the moment thereafter that joy is a special wisdom. Mm. The common thread that I pull through from both of your responses is that trust in the navigation of the soul from a very young age. So I just thank you for sharing that. I think that that in itself is a really powerful medicine for us to hear that we can trust that navigation, even at eight or nine and 16 years old, that, that these experiences that we have and this, um, yeah, I love the navigation of the soul phrase too, that it's real, it's real. And I love that. Okay, so let's muse a little bit. Let's play in the field a bit. You are both peace advocates, as we can hear coming through your voice, you both carry so much peace inside. And you both really encourage that inside-out path. Michael, you're a master at guiding us inward in this beautiful, gentle way. And Dot, you're a master at guiding us to bring us, bring this inner unity and peace back out into the world, into action. And you're both so accomplished. Let's muse on this topic like a chicken and egg question. What comes first? Now, I know this sounds really silly, but let's just... Let's just play with this. Let's go with this. What comes first, unity or peace? And perhaps they're synonymous, but I'm wondering what's your perfect pathway or practice? I'll, you know, I'll start with mm. where you were earlier. Um, Michael, you began bringing in this awareness of our prior unity and this inherent unity. And, and I really believe when we come from that experience of inherent unity, and the truth of our undivided wholeness that we can discover inner peace and that moves us outward. So we don't have world unity yet and yet to be established, where do we go from here? What comes first? What's your pathway? What's your recommendations? And I'm just going to open it, whoever wants to jump in. Mm. Yeah, beautiful. It's actually a beautiful question and a beautifully phrased question, Julie, uh, because most of us have a tendency to think that peace would be the thing, would be the answer. And for me, that is not the case. Peace is the natural outcome or outgrowth uh, or, quote, result 
that we're never really looking for, but it will be, it will naturally occur to live in right relationship with self, others, and all life. Once we become those knowers of ourselves uh, in unity with all life, once we live according to the spiritual principles and, uh, you know, without the illusion of separation, that's, that's what I would initially say. Yes, for me, it's not a chicken and an egg. Uh, what, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? I would say the generative mystery, the, the causeless cause. Um, but to, to respond to your question, Dr. Julie, uh, for me, it goes to I'm at peace when I am immersed in a deeper sphere and dimension of meaning and belonging that is greater than myself because I know that I'm enfolded and embraced by something greater than me, of which I am a part. And, and that's that whole thing of, am I the whole, am I the part? Yes, is the answer. <laughs> and, and so what each of us, I believe, is doing is seeking through the fractal that we are. We contain the wholeness of the universe, just as the ocean is comprised of these billions and billions of drops of water, but inside every droplet is the ocean. I believe inside each one of us is the whole of, co of the cosmos, and yet the cosmos can only realize itself by being this fractal that has to recreate wholeness on the outside that is the pre-existing inner condition. And the other thing I find is the shift is not just from moving away from the survival of the separated self to the service of the common good. It's to get away from specious orientation and realize that we are intimate and integral aspects of Gaia, part of her multidimensional body of being. And therefore, I am a Gaia expressing through the human experience. And in that way, and this is what Mother Nature taught me when I was working in Sweden with, with farming and also at Finnhorn in the garden there, is that self-realization, first of all, starts with realizing where I am and who I am, but inside of me is a whole universe of self. That there are, there are, there are lives inside of, 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 of Michael that look to the consciousness that is me as their creator, as their preserver, as their sustainer, as their lover. And that is how I practice being a universal being, is by caring for the universe of self. And then I start caring for the universe of we, what we constitute. And then I start caring for the universe that we know as Gaia. And then right relationship with the plants, with the rocks, with the animals, with the invisible as well as the visible realms. And so for me, it's that shift to understanding that I am a living being who's part of this being called Gaia, who is alive, who's part of this solar body, lives within lives within lives. And that puts it in perspective. So life is not about what can Michael achieve. It's about how can I 
allow the fullness of life to show up in me in ways that are far beyond what I could ever hold in my mind and what I could imagine. Although imagination is how I gently step into a deeper knowing. But as Dot said earlier, there comes a time when I surrender. I give up. Not give up. I say I give up. But I give my life up to something greater. And suddenly the I goes to the we. And the we is simply a greater sense of self. I don't lose my identity as an individual. I simply gain a greater sense of self. Mm. Mm. Wow, Michael, that was gorgeous. And it makes me think of the peace that passeth understanding. That, That essential peace that is substantive to who we are when we realize exactly what you have just described. And this humans as Gaians, uh, you know, this is part of gently moving us outward with these realizations of uh, so often humanity seems to take a perspective of the plants are here for us and the animals are here for us and the minerals are here for us, the earth is here for us. And the truth is that we are all part of this one life and that actually humanity could offer itself as a resource as for Gaia, as Gaians, as well as everything else. And it's very respectful then, interrespectful. The thing that's so beautiful, I just want to pull this through before break here, about your responses is that you both are laying a foundation for a new language of this prior unity. Our, our language system was developed in the illusion of separation, just like all the systems and structures on the planet, but there's not unity that's yet to be established that we have to seek for or work on, that unity is already so. You know, unity is, and even the title of our show, All Things Connected, it's that we're really not even connected. We are unified, intrinsically indivisible whole already in unity so you're starting to bring some language in and it's hard it's hard using the same language but i really appreciate that deeper reflection coming from that place of unity and and in that knowing um that it isn't a chicken or an egg it was a it was a beautiful way to really um help our small minds to really get and and create an awareness of our deeper knowing you know our whole full embodied sense of knowing that comes through so thank you for those we need to take a quick break you're listening to the dr julie show i'm julie crawl we're here with michael linfield and dr dot maver when we return we're going to talk more about peace and unity and a little bit about world unity week we'll be right back
You're listening to Empower Radio, an entire radio station devoted to your personal development, expanding your conscious awareness, and empowering positive change. Meet our hosts and listen online at EmpowerRadio.com, on iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Stitcher Radio, or iTunes, or download the Empower Radio app for your smartphone or tablet. It's free in the App Store, and it lets you listen to our shows and podcasts on demand. Empowering people, empowering change. Empower Radio, online at EmpowerRadio.com. Wildfires burn millions of acres each year. And each year, wildland firefighters like Fire Chief James Hall battle to contain them. But they can't do it alone. A single ember that escapes from a wildfire can travel more than a mile. It can ignite and destroy your home, your community, or more. That single ember can be just as dangerous as the wildfire itself. But you can do something firefighters can't. You can act now to prepare your home and your community for wildfire. You can reduce the risk. Do your part. Go to fireadaptive.org. Get fire adapted. Learn what you can do now to reduce wildfire damage later at fireadapted.org. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Learn more at fireadapted.org. Confessions of a Potentially Perfect Parent, brought to you by AdoptUsKids.org. I might look like an adult, like a person who could possibly be a parent, but I have no idea how to talk like one. And everyone knows that if you want to be a parent, you have to sound good when you say things like, Don't make me turn this car around, or because I said so, or don't make me come back there. I don't even really know what those things mean, but I know that I actually believed my parents when they said them to me. How did they manage to sound so convincing? Here we go. Don't make me come back there. Oh, no, that's not tough enough at all. Kids can sense weakness. Don't make me come back there. Ooh, yeah, that's better. In fact, that kind of sounded like my dad. Weird. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. There are thousands of teens in foster care who would love to listen to you practice your dad voice. Call 1-888-200-4005 or visit adoptuskids.org for more information. This message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt Us Kids, and the Ad Council. Well, he moved early. That's going to draw the yellow flag. Offsides, number 72, five yards. Check out this fan leaving the game. He's headed straight up the middle and right into a sobriety checkpoint. Let's see how he handles it. No, officer. I haven't been drinking. I'm the designated driver. Upon further review, this fan made the right call by being a designated driver. Sign up to be the designated driver at the stadium and always buckle up. You could follow your favorite NFL team to the Super Bowl. Provided as a public service by the station and team coalition. Back to the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. Hey, if you're inspired by our conversation today, I invite you to share it with others and perhaps listen to it again. You can do that by visiting my website at thedrjulieshow.com, where you'll find all the archive links as well as a listing of upcoming guests. Again, that's thedrjulieshow.com. And on the leading edge of personal, social, and global transformation, I invite you to be a more conscious way shower, a change agent, and make connections that inspire and accelerate our collective awakening and planetary healing. Stay connected every week with my newsletter, where you'll find meaningful content, opportunities, and inspiration. You can sign up at juliecrawlemail.com. 
Again, that's juliecrawlemail.com. And I am here today with guest Dot Maver, Dr. Dot Maver. You can find out more of her work. I'm going to give you this website. There's several different organizations she's a part of, but go to globalsilentminute.org. It's yummy. Go be a part of the Global Silent Minute. And Michael Linfield. You can find out more about Michael and his current work at meditationmount.org. Welcome back to the second half. You know, when we took a break, I was really feeling into this, um, what do I want to say, a correlation I was hearing. And I just want to bring this back before we move forward again, is that um, when we look at anything from this illusion of separation, we really can't achieve unity. And you, you were saying that in the positive forward mo- moving um, way of really helping us look into prior unity. But if we are in the illusion of separation, it's we're going to be looking and searching for unity. We're going to be looking and searching for peace. That place in the illusion of separation is a place of not peace and not unity. Would you like to respond to that idea before we move forward again? I think that's an important correlation that we can make that's helpful. Michael. I was going to say, Dot, do you want to kick that off? (laughs) Okay, I would love to. (laughs) Yes, I I would love to, my brother. Yes, and because it takes me immediately, Julie, to something that I am often heard to, to say. There's a major shift that happens for any of us on the spiritual journey from living from the inside, from the outside in, under all kind of influence, outer influence, to living from the inside out. And we often think and act as though we are trying to get somewhere. We are trying to become something that we are not yet. We ask questions, why do we meditate? Why do we do certain things? And again, the truth is, we are already there. It's a matter of realization, which is perhaps the most esoteric word on the planet. And to live from the inside out is to acknowledge, know, being the center of that word, to acknowledge ourselves already cooperating as one with all life and as the essential self that came knowing full well what's up out here. And so that that's, would be my immediate response to that. If we could come to that place of inner essence and live from there, everything would turn on its head. And then we would have that language that you speak to so beautifully and that's really necessary because you're right the language we're mostly using was created from within the illusion of separation yes thank you dot i i want to just add to that when i think now of myself i'm just not looking at michael and what michael has to do to get by I have this sense and this image of a soul 
creating as its agent on earth a vehicle that can do justice to who it is, that can really, without any distortion, without any constriction, can express the full glory of the soul. Now, that takes lifetimes, and that's the process that we're going through, I believe, each one of us, and as a community of people, and as a species. It's coming to that point where our lives on earth are so in resonance with goodness, the inherent goodness of the soul, that there becomes a resonant relationship between the inside and the outside, between the soul, which is outside of time and space, and its temporal expression, its agent on earth, which is what we call our personality. And when those two are in right relationship, then more of the truth of who we are can show up. It's called presencing. And it's, it's this, I, Dot and I had a conversation earlier, and I was talking about the word substantiation. It's a word that came to me about two weeks ago of what is happening now. It's the substantiation of the soul on earth. We are creating conditions where it can be a substantial influence. It can actually be embodied to some degree uh, as we seek to be connected. And so for me, the conditions that are needed for us to show up as this, uh, the wholeness of who we are, are things like loving kindness. Loving kindness allows us to honor the connections and it allows love which is the lifeblood of all relationship and the currency of all relationship to flow around this system, which we call humanity. And humanity is part of Gaia. And so I go back to what the ancient mystics came to. Love is at the heart of everything. I'm not talking about sentimental love. I'm talking about this incredible cosmic force of love and the only desire in the universe that I'm sensing is the desire of love to express itself. And we're part of that incredible, compelling call. That's joyful. It's so as, joyful. Right? And as we're answering, as we're answering that call, and Julie, you what you are offering through everything that you do these days you really are inviting all of us to answer the call consciously. And that's, that's what's needed. Yeah, let's expand on that. Invited, inviting to, let, let's just, let me rephrase this. What is your highest invitation for peace and unity for our listeners? If we take what you both, how you both just answered that, questions so beautifully merely you you'll you'll hear people i hear this all the time merely calling on everyone to establish peace and unity does not create the desired result we've been asking for that on the planet for a very long time however what you're inviting us into this call of the heart for love to express itself what would that look like for our listeners in a simple way as an invitation to do this inside-out pathway? Oh, gosh. I think 
it starts with something I know Dot and I have been in conversation about is that we are dealing with a lot of trauma around the world at the moment, collective trauma. And when a body is in trauma, when the shock waves of trauma are running through a body, it creates static so that we cannot hear the song of the soul. So the first thing we have to do is to bring peace to our own inner self, our own world, our own universe of self. That means healing our wounds um, so that when I respond to a situation, I'm responding from the highest point of my soul's expression. But if I'm still wounded and hurt, I may be triggered to respond in a way that creates more hurt, that transfers my wound, transfers my anger, transfers the incompleteness that I currently am to somebody else. And it's a downward spiral. So when I take responsibility for healing myself together with others, I can then create the conditions in which peace can flourish. Think of it as a gardener. I, I think here, you've got a seed. The seed is this spiritual promise that love can flower on earth. Inside the seed is the promise and the potential of love. However, if it falls on stony ground, if it falls on the hard ground of hatred, nothing's going to grow. So I've got two responsibilities. One is to plant my seed. But first of all, I have to create the conditions that are conducive to its growth. And that means loving kindness to myself, to others, and the whole of the ecosystem. It means healing old traumas. It's healing old wounds. It really is daring to take responsibility for everything that's happened in my life and happened in our lives collectively so that we can create a field which is clearer, more coherent, more receptive to the call of the soul, not just the call as a voice, but this desire for the, the beauty and the power of the soul to show up on earth. This is what it means to bring heaven on earth. It means to show up, but to show up in a field that has to have reached a certain degree of healing. Otherwise, the seeds won't quicken, they won't germinate, they won't take root. So I think there's two things. One is the affirmation of the truth of who we are. The other is creating the conditions where we can actually grow it. So what's inside the seed can only be known by being sown and be, by being grown. Hmm. Dot, do you feel <laughs> yes. to expand on that? Yes, I would love to. And it, it's exactly how you introduced us, because here's what, where I will take this, Michael. I will pull on that thread. We are the gardeners of the soul. And thus, yes, peace begins with me, and we must heal. And so what is the definition of health? The free flow of spirit through form. And unless and until we have the capacity to take full responsibility for ourselves on every level, and then we can take shared responsibility 
as Gaians and well, truly as cosmic beings, ultimately that what Michael says is just so true. And so where I would take it then, Julie, and you and I have had this conversation before, I mean, we're on the, the eve virtually of World Unity Week, which is just amazing as it unfolds. It starts the 19th coming right up. We are already looking in so many sectors of life on this planet as human beings at ways of being this. And in education alone, we have only to look at the nature education and the social emotional learning that's happening. We could name so many things, these books that are coming out now that feature children as the, the heroines from a spiritual perspective uh, we have only to look at the health industry and realize that we actually, in a generation, we have managed to make a master shift from illness to wellness. From beginning, We're really focusing now on well-being and how we gain and maintain health rather than constantly trying to fix what's wrong. And so uh, for me, it, generically, we are in the midst of an all-systems breakdown while we are simultaneously in the midst of an all-systems breakthrough. And this inside-out motion and livingness that's necessitated at the moment, so it begins with me, and then all the systems that, that I and we are part of are shifting in this moment of every cycle shifting at the same time. We are living the great turning. So exciting, inspiring, codes for a healthy earth, sign network, unity earth, good of the whole, the connection field. We could go on and on. Global silent minute. We're bringing thousands and millions of us together on a daily basis through so many sectors. And may we realize that so that we are not over-focused on the problems at hand. Mm. Okay, so yeah. now you've lit my fire. Um, <laughs> I've got to, Michael, I want to pull this thread in and and let either of you like respond to this. But I'm I'm a, a yes, yes, yes all the way through. Michael, you brought in heaven on earth, and now dot you're bringing in the great turning and the work and whole systems change that were that's the breaking through of systems and structures. So the goal of world unity and world peace is not about creating a utopia. Um, this heaven on earth and this whole systems change and this great turning, it's a creative, challenging, and lifelong path of work that invites us into impactful action. This whole system's change. We're talking about personal transformation and healing that we're talking about. It's like the invitation to create heaven on earth isn't just utopia and, you know, but if we can move into this lifelong path and really align with the joy of this path, we become the soul solutions. Jude Curvan always talks about soul, S-O-U-L, solutions, soul, solutions. So I just want to presence that. If you, if, if both mm. of you could address this, it's, it's not just a, a utopia, inner peace. I'm blissed out. Life is good. I don't care if the whole world is burning in hell in a handbasket. It really 
is possible and happening and emerging, but it's also creative and challenging and a lifelong path of, of really conscious choice here. Wow. Yes. It's very difficult sometimes to see beyond the horizon. And so we're limited by the horizon. So when I look beyond the horizon, I go back to the analogy I gave before is that the soul is seeking to create on earth through its agent, us, um, a vehicle that can do justice to who it is, to bring it through, to embody it, to incarnate it. When I think of us as a human family, we are the collective personality of the, of the soul of humanity. That's the next scale up. If you scale it up, just as each of us has to create a personality that can embody the fullness of the soul, what we're doing with World Unity Week is we're weaving together the connections and we're seeking to break down the barriers of separation so that we can create a global condition, a if you like, a collective personality into which the soul of humanity can fully incarnate. Now, that may take many lifetimes or further civilizations, but that's the trajectory we are on. And all of that is part of Gaia piecing herself together so that she becomes more whole. And when she becomes more whole, she becomes enlightened. She becomes what the ageless teaching says, a sacred planet. And a sacred planet is simply one that is radiant of its own essential truth. So it starts with us. But for me, beyond the horizon, it's looking at the whole of humanity as this collective personality that is seeking to organize itself so it can invite the presence of the soul of humanity to earth. Dot, are you smiling like I am? <laughs> yes, I'm smiling and want to invite us to take a deep breath and take that in. Mm. You know, Michael, as you were saying those last lines and you could feel the lifting, couldn't you, Julie? You feel us lifting, lifting, lifting. And yet where are we lifting to? We're right here. That's the thing. <laughs> we're already there. And Around me, where I live, there is such beauty. And really, around us on the planet, there is such beauty. And I've often said, we can't create natural beauty, but we can reveal it. And that that's our job. That's part of our role out here, no matter where we look, no matter who we are, no matter what we are doing. May we have the wisdom of the heart, of the loving heart, with this doctrine of the heart in a time of courage, courage, the age of the heart, to realize our own beauty and to realize the beauty around us and help reveal it in every moment. That is joyful. Mm. Wow. wow. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, because rather, the, the way to reveal love, love can only be revealed through a loving heart, an open heart. And I believe that it's creating a corresponding vibration on earth so that through resonance, love flows 
as Dot said, health is life, the chi, the life force flowing through a system. And if love and when love can circulate fully through the system of our human nature, we will have heaven on earth or we will have a sacred planet. Um, and we are faced with starting the work now. Mm. Starting the work now. So it is almost time for World Unity Week. No matter when you're listening to this show, you can go to worldunityweek.org and watch for this um, every year, annually, in June here. I want to ask each of you to respond in a minute or less. What is your personal hope for the outcome of World Unity Week? Not being one who bases anything on outcomes, I need to say that up front, I will say that there is a unification within consciousness for humanity that World Unity Week is helping to ignite. And I want to just presence your chime because I know at the moment that we're recording this, it's the global silent minute. So thank you, Dot. Mm. Mm. Just breathing in that global silent minute with you. And Michael, your personal hope for the outcome of World Unity Week. That we enter into a deeper collective sense of meaning and belonging so that we can express the radiant joy and beauty that is the essential nature of a human spirit that is seeking to incarnate on earth. Hmm. I accept your invitation, beloveds. This was a delightful hour. Thank you both for bringing such deep presencing to our conversation today. Thank you, thank you. Gratitude. Thank you, Dr. Julie. Thank you, Doc. Mm, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yes. Let's do it again. So I want to leave you listeners with the words of Robert Fulgham, who said, peace is not something you wish for. It is something you make, something you are, something you do, and something you give away. You've been listening to The Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Remember, together, we are creating connections for the good of the whole. Until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now. 